Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. In this episode, we discuss how adding value creates respect in the business world. My guest is Michael Goldberg. Michael is the founder of a speaking and training company called Knockout Networking. His focus is helping sales producers, typically in the financial services industry, grow their business through networking and referrals. We discuss how to move further and faster along the no like, and trust cycle into the land of respect, how to find the right people to network with, how to create your own networking environment to bring people to your doorstep, and other golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Michael. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate you making the time. Hey, Mark. Uh, I, I appreciate having it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the Thank you for making right... the time as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to jump right in. People talk about know, like, and trust a lot. You took it to another level in our last conversation. Know, like, and trust is great. Then there's respect. Speak more to that. What does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and I appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, so just to create context, I am, in fact, a speaker, a trainer, a, a coach, an author, a boxer. Uh, so my company is Knockout Networking, and I spend most of my time uh, helping sales producers, typically insurance agents and financial advisors, grow their business through networking. You know, the metaphor I use, like in the ring, I literally have a heavy bag right here, is, is that it's about the connection. So if in the ring, if I'm sparring or I'm fighting, if I'm making more and better connections, especially if I'm throwing a lot of punches and there are lots of connections, I'll win the round, maybe win the fight. It's kind of the same thing. If you're uh, a sales producer, entrepreneur, financial advisor, uh, candlestick maker, butcher, right? It's, <laughs> right? It's, so it's really about the connection yeah. that you make. And, and so I've got lots of ideas and approaches on, on really what I teach. I've been doing this for 24 years, a long time. So one of my favorite concepts to talk about is really the level of the relationship that we are in with said prospect, client, or networking partners. You know, and there's these phases, and I didn't really make it up. I might have added a ripple to it, but it's really the phases of or a funnel. You could look at it as like a funnel of, you know, so Mark, Mark and I get to know each other. So we're kind of in the no, not N-O, like yes, no, maybe, but K-N-O-W, whereas no, like we're we're getting to know one another. So when you're getting to know one another, you know, you're still asking questions and trying to figure out styles and perspectives and um likes, dislikes, all these different things, you know, and often if you're meeting with a lot of people and as an entrepreneur, you probably are, you know, maybe that comes easily over time, right? Where, you know, I really like this guy, good guy, good gal and all that stuff. It doesn't mean you're going to open up your Rolodex, which is what we used to call your database um, <laughs> in, in the good old days, right? Where, you know, I'm meeting somebody for the first, second time, or I don't know them well, I'm not, probably not going to connect them to my best client, you know, you know, probably not, right? Um, or have them babysit my kids or something like that, right? So it's you know, just to create context, you know, but over time, and, you know, depending on the frequency or depending on how you hit it off or whatever that looks like, you know, often what you have in common, and you know, there's lots of factors, uh, not to kind of uh, get overblown with it, then you might graduate to the like, you know, like I get to know him, you know, I really like this guy. He's a good guy. You know, I, I, I like where he, I like what he says. I like how he comes across. I love his style. He's got a great energy. So you got no like and then trust. So trust is that you trust that he or she is smart. You trust that he or she has a body of work, is successful, 
you know, knows what they're talking about, is credible, is great at what they do, is competent, and would make you look good where you might connect them with other people. And then there's the respect, right? The respect is like the ripple of, you know, not only do I trust this person, but I respect the fact that because of their style, their body of work, their track record, you know, and the relationship that we've established that they are going to have um, the respect, uh, you know, and they're going to come come across in a way that they're going to take care of whomever it is I'm connecting with them with, whether it's an introduction, a direct referral, whatever it is, um, and take really good care, in which case it's going to be a win, win, win. Like it's a win that somebody probably lands a client, right? Perhaps, you mm -hmm. know, or somebody, you know, lands um, a service, on the receiving end of that. And I'm going to look good because it's going to be a win because I'm going to feel great that it's a win-win and that the whole thing made me look good too. So now there's going to be respect throughout all parties, in which case that whole dynamic can continue to grow and, you know, and flourish. Well, on that spectrum, how can you accelerate to get to the respect situation? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think for one thing, I think you need to really start off with like, you know, um, you know, know and like, because if that's not there, unless there's a miscommunication or a difference in styles, you, you have to kind of work on that. So like a story I love to tell is, um, so I lead a national networking organization, you know, Mark, I know you know all about it called yeah. the networking group, right? You know, TNG or the, you know, as in the networking group, it's actually called that. So there's a guy that is uh, one of our members who is a CPA. I know this guy for probably 25 years. But I was part of a group with him 25 years ago, and he didn't like me at all when we just first started off. He thought I spoke too much. I was just too overbearing. Maybe I am, right? But he was just kind of like this quieter guy that just kind of – but I liked him. Like I, He was super smart, super committed to the group. He was always there early, stayed late, and I, and I, I knew he didn't have a great feel for me. So what I would do is I would get there early, and I would sit next to him. You know, and he'd roll <laughs> his eyes, you know, and I would sit – but not to be obnoxious. But I was really looking to work on the relationship because I got the sense he didn't take to me. And it was for no good reason other than he just got a certain impression. So I just, you know, I would tone it down when I was near him and ask him a lot of questions, you know, and again, not being obnoxious, but I was just really just trying to befriend him, you know, and as a result, we did become really good friends. And he got to understand me and value me for, he ultimately hired me to hire his staff and consult and do all these different things. And to this day, we're really tight. He's part of my group today, you know, 25 years later or 20 some odd years later, you know, so that was a, and I'm not saying it always works out that way, that you can always win somebody over, but there was no real reason for there not to be a good connect. And it bothered me since I teach relationship building skills. So I just thought, let me just try to understand this guy and, and kind of see where he's coming from and be interested in what he's doing. And if I can develop no like trust, respect with him, maybe I can be a resource to him and help him in some way. And that all those things happened, you know, so that the long, so that's a long winded way to get to, you, you've got to really establish that with people in having a mechanism to do that. There's got to be good reasons. And I think at the end of it, it's got to be a win-win. A it's got to be collaborative. You know, it's, you know, how how can we be resources for one another? How can we be helpful to one another? And, you know, I think if, if that effort is there, um, if you didn't have a connection before outside of backstory, you could look to establish one. So is it asking the right questions and being genuinely interested in the other person? Yeah, well, it's got to be genuine. I think it's asking the right questions, you know, and being of service, you know, and, um, and, and trying to build on that. Because, you know, and the reality is, you know, we, we don't hit it off with everybody, of course. 
even I, hard to believe, even I don't, <laughs> don't hit it off with everybody. But I do know that in a networking environment, when it's face-to-face, not so much virtual, it's probably different numbers, but I know in a networking environment, the appropriate environment is that if I meet 10 people, I will probably hit it off with three or four of them. If I, and I mean like hit it off, I'm not saying the other set six or seven are going to hate on me. They're not. It's just going to be nice to meet you. But I, so I, I refer to that as the one third or dynamic. If I meet three people on an event, I probably really just hit it off. Like you had me in hello with probably one or two of those people. I just believe if you're a good networker that you will establish the like, you know, right off, right out of the gate with about a third or so, maybe just a bit better than a third of the people that you meet, given that the environment is set up for that. And what I'm saying is like different on the, you know, on the three, on the three train traveling in New York City at one in the morning. Right. Different mm-hmm. contexts now. That's not a friendly networking. Let's say it's unfriendly, but it's just not right. It's not the environment that you would expect that type of a uh, discussion to take place. So about so. the So I would say focus on the one thirders, like focus on the people that you've already, you know, have that connection with because you've got something with which to build from. So this kind of segues into what we were talking about with target marketing and getting in front of the right people. Yeah. How do you find the environments like you just mentioned? How do you find the right environments to have the to meet the one thirders? Right. Not have uh, I'll use air quotes for people listening. One of those weeks, where it's like, <laughs> oh my god, I cannot get on Zoom with another person. Nothing's yeah. going right. How do you find those target markets in the environment to meet them? You know, I just know that for me, myself, and I, I love working with high energy people typically that are really focused on their business and they have to bring in clients in order to bring in revenue. Like for an example, there are professions like banking where is you could suck as a banker, and this is no disrespect to bankers, you could suck as a banker and still make a good living because you're getting paid to do that from the bank. As a financial advisor, you can't do that. You can't suck as a financial advisor and run a good business or practice. Can't do it. So you've got to be really good and you've got to be a great connector in order to be able to bring in the right level of business. So I like that mentality because I'm like that. So one of the reasons why I chose as my own target market, the insurance or financial services industry is, is that you've got to be really smart and you can't suck at networking to be successful at it. So I thought if I could mirror the type of people that I want to work with, to those that I want to work with, and they're very much like me, that was a really good motive to pick the insurance and financial services industry as a target market. And, right, so it maximizes the chance that I'm going to make that one-third connection, right? And um, it's also an industry that has the resources, you know, to pay me the way I want to be paid, but also has the resources where my clients get paid they want to be paid if they listen to some of the things I'm suggesting. So it becomes a win-win. So picking those markets, it sounds like, is passion one of the common common threads yeah. where you have to find people that you're passionate about talking to so you can be genuinely interested in them and then play the one-third game? I mean, would, would that be on point? Yeah, I think that's on point. You know, so that's one, you know, one motive or one aspect. You know, another aspect could be that you've got a, you know, a, a background or you've got a track record or experience in that market, you know, so I'll use the financial advisor, you know, example, you know, is that if you're a financial advisor, but you used to be in car sales, right, automotive sales, you know, is that that might be a good target market for you to work 
with, you know, potentially with clients that are in that environment. Why? Because you know that environment. You have an expertise that other financial advisors may not have within that environment. Like he gets us. He used to be one of us. You know, so that could be another motive for a target market. You know, another one could be, um, if again, we'll stick with the financial advisor analogy. You know, it could be a profession, an industry, a profession, a market segment, a niche that's underinsured typically, that's notoriously underinsured, or that's notoriously bad at um, at their own asset management. So that could be a motive as well, is that they're not good at the thing that I do, in which case there's an opportunity, right? Just notorious, you know, but it's being specific, you know, it, it can't be, you know, anyone, everyone, someone, it's got to be, you know, sales professionals, automotive sales, and I'm just making this up. So yeah. automotive sales professionals aren't good at money management, and I've got that background in it. So therefore, that could be a good target market for me. You know, others could be, um, you know, that you have an affinity towards a marketplace, you know, so like, um, if I'm a financial advisor, and um, and my mom had Parkinson's disease, and truth be told, my mom did have Parkinson's disease. Uh, but then maybe the special needs vertical could be a target market where you're helping as a financial advisor those that are saddled with family members that have Parkinson's, right? That could be a very defined market. Um, I was just working with an advisor earlier uh, that's Chinese, and uh, she's been in this country for uh, you know thirty some odd years. And when she migrated over, you know, um, she didn't know anybody. And she didn't have any money. So she, it, her marketplace now is, you know, specific to her own background and nationality, where it's really the Chinese or certain, you know, the ethnic marketplace, to lack of a better way of putting it. And those that, you know, maybe are struggling with the questions that she struggled with when she came to this country, because she can speak to those experiences and has an affinity towards that marketplace. So that could be another motive or avenue towards figuring out the right target market. And with no like trust respect, could you speak a little bit to creating your own environment? Because you've done it so well with the networking group. Well, thank you. Yeah. Because people, if they're going to come in, they're going to already at least know know you or know right. of you, like you because you created an environment for them. Then yeah. trust and respect can get built. But how do you build that so you start bringing people to you instead of going to them? Right, right. So, you know, with the networking group, we do have a culture there. Um, a lot of people personify the culture with with me, which is very nice and flattering, but it is it is definitely a team effort. But, you know, we've created a culture and a target market with the networking group, which is really entrepreneurs and business owners. And we've got like a five bullet point approach to really what our vetting is to ensure that the culture is what it is, because, of course, we have our own target market, like, you know, like you've um, alluded to. So we we target business professionals. Uh, you know, typically that are in their own business or their service providers, and they have to generate revenue, you know, so they're business development focused. So, right. And it's got to be the right type of business, you know, so um, it, it couldn't really necessarily be a corporate person necessarily. It's usually something that's more entrepreneurial where they've got to bring in the business. Uh, we look at body of work, like you've got to, you know, have a certain track record and a level of success in your marketplace. So you can't be brandy new. Or if you are brandy new in your role, that you're not brandy new to business. Like you might have a strong business acumen, but you're new in this role. That's okay, right? Just as long as you're not just figuring it all out. Mm -hmm. Third thing we look at is you've got to be a connector. You've got to get that networking is all about the give. It's not about the take. You know, it's all about the how can I help? So you've got to have this, 
this um you know this level of you know this level of service you know about you so that's something we look at fourth thing we look at is geography so where you are in the country or other countries kind of matters i know most of our meetings are virtual some are live but geography does factor into it like last night we had a big event we had almost 40 people at our event it was a virtual event it was a new york city based event but we had literally had people from all over the world we had people from canada we had one woman from london I think she was actually traveling in Scotland, but she's, uh, she's <laughs> yeah. So, it, so this was a 6 p.m. meeting for her. It was 11 p.m. And, you know, so she was part of this. So some people from from wherever. Right. So it attracted that. But geography kind of matters. And the fifth thing that we look at from a target marketing standpoint, our networking group is you've got to be and we have it written somewhere. You've got to be freaking fun. Like you've got to be fun. You've got to, you know, like you've got to be into this. You got to be love hanging out with people and helping them. So imagine putting even in a virtual meeting putting those five types of liquors into a drink and shaking it up like what that looks like right it ends up being a really dynamic group of people you know that are truly there for the right reasons it's a, it's a heck of a lot of fun and people are doing business i love that aspect of fun and we had spoken about this too how do you make meetings relevant and fun because they can go, I would imagine they can go, well, not imagine, but I know they can go one way or the other. It can be, oh, this is a great time. We had a beer, blah, blah, blah. Didn't move the needle with my business. Well, at the end and of the day, it's got to be a value. It's got to be valuable. So people are into having fun as long as like you're attracting the right people. But at the end of the day, um, it's got to be value. And for for many, it's not even about the business. They just assume if I participate and I'm active and I do all the things that the, you know, the organization's uh, training me and coaching me to do that the business will be there. But a lot of folks are getting other value out of it. You know, they're they're getting inspired, they're getting focused, uh, they're owning their calendar as a result. You know, um, they're developing their confidence. Like, you know, I one person overcome a fear of public speaking because of the group. Like a really? different person. I mean, how awesome is like better than any piece of business. Like this is a person that could not speak in front of a group and now, frankly, one of these folks, I, I actually leads meetings for me. Like he leads the group. Oh, two and a half on, years really? ago, he, he couldn't string a sentence together in front of people. How cool is that? Right. That's like a that's like a life changer right there. Um, we've had people because of the group that have quit smoking. We've had people that have we had one guy lose 60 pounds because of the group. Uh, we had somebody else that got promoted in his, you know, he, he's a he's a salesperson, but he's part of an organization. He got promoted to a sales manager because he overcame this fear of speaking and he's leading meetings. So on and on and on, we have people that are developing and that are growing as a result of this culture. So the business, that happens, but there's so many more things. So as long as you're getting those valuable takeaways and it's fun, I mean, what better way to spend an hour and 45 minutes, you know, in front of your computer? Because most, like you had mentioned, a lot of these Zoom meetings, a lot of they're, they're kind of boring, right? It's just kind yeah. of people multitasking. Our goal is to keep people as engaged as possible and to minimize the multitasking. So you're having fun. Some cases you have a beverage in front of you, and you know somehow it equates to business or whatever it is you're looking for. So it sounds like the key point is add value first without extreme. I'll say extreme expectations. It's not, oh, you could be my client, you can give me money. I'm going to be nice to you because you give me money. It's right. no, I'm going to add value to you because you're the qualities that you mentioned for your group absolutely i'm going to give add value to your life and then that's where the money comes from yeah yeah and the people you want to be around you know that's that's the whole thing so like when we started this group back in 2014 before anybody knew what a global pandemic was we used to do this every other month we'd have these big events um it was like the last wednesday of the month every other month and we did it in new york city 
at the Wells Fargo Conference Center. And the meeting would end at 8.30 p.m. promptly. And, you know, you would think that people would have to travel back to Connecticut, to Long Island, to New Jersey, a few to Philly, wherever there is. One guy used to come from Delaware to New York City, but they were never in a rush to leave. So we'd end the meeting right at 8.30. People would hang around. Like, don't you have any place to be? And like, you know, like the you know folks that would come in to clean the room would kind of get, you know, kick. So then we would roll over into the Capitol Grill right across the street because people just didn't want to unplug from the energy. Uh, you know, so we knew we had something. So we try to replicate that and copy and paste that as best as we can now that we're national and do that online. We've covered a lot of material in a short amount of time. So it's no like trust and then respect the, the cycle. If you were to tell them, if if nothing else, start today, do this one thing, what would you tell them to start doing? I would say define your target market. Determine, and I define a target market as whom you serve best and therefore wish to serve most. So my target market is the insurance and financial services industry with firms like Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch and related asset managers that hire me to do that. So that's defined, right? Really defined. Um, so this is why I know where to go, what to say, and with whom, and people know how to refer me and connect me. So I would say you can make yourself way more referable if you can be very clear about defining your target market and think in terms of industry, profession, market segment, niche, dynamic, demographic, geography, company name. You see how I kind of reduced the fraction with each one mm -hmm. of those? So I took four eighths, I reduced it to two fours, and I brought it to one half. As my daughter says, that's the lowest common denominator. I said, yes, it is. So reduce your target market to the lowest common denominator or to the LCD. And once you whittle it down to its simplest, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, dynamic where it's whittled down, then think about where you need to go, what you need to say and with whom you need to say it. And now you've got a networking plan or as I like to call it, uh, a daily fight plan. This has been great. If people want to find you online, where where should they go? I'm nowhere online. I'm a networking guy, and you'll never. Find <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, knockoutnetworking.com. Of course, that's my website. Uh, the networking group is simply the networkinggroup.org. You can find me all over social, especially on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Instagram as well. Knockout networking, and you'll certainly find me. Thank you so much for the time, Michael. I appreciate it. This has been absolutely awesome. Well, likewise. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.